it's Steve and Dave again. We are Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. No doubt we all want to catch more fish. I want to, and Dave needs to. Ooh, that hurts. But we're all about fly fishing and our love for the outdoors. So let's get after it. Nice guitar riff, Dave. Thanks, dog. I uh, worked on that really uh, for a couple of weeks. You sure did. Great stuff. Well, hey, last fall, Dave and I made our annual fly fishing pilgrimage to Montana, and it turned out to be one of our best trips ever. Uh, to be honest, the last fall trip we took in 2020 had left us disappointed. Yeah, it was. It was the first. It was the first full year of COVID, and man. That trip was a, just a symbol of the pandemic. I, yeah. I came away so discouraged after that trip, and I really thought, you know, maybe we need to find a different place to fish. Well, I know. We, uh, you know, going into this fall, we thought, well, let's, let's give some of these places one more try. But it just seemed like some of our stand, old standbys just hadn't been producing like they used to. And we know that happens. I mean, years ago on Elk Creek near Augusta, Montana, uh, that that stream just it really changed and well, it silted for yeah, one. Yeah, it did. And Ownership change. You couldn't yep. get on lower on you know lower down uh, on the creek. Yeah, and I, I thought well uh, maybe some of these favorite spots that have done really well maybe yeah maybe they're they're going through this life cycle and there's a down cycle and we just have to go elsewhere. But Man, the, the fishing last fall was fantastic. It really and, was really fantastic. Oh, man. So what we're doing today is we're just reflecting on that trip, and, and there's some lessons that we learned, or maybe more accurately, that we relearned. And we're going to share them with you in hopes that it will give you some more success when uh, you're on your next trip to the river. Uh, none of these are, are profound. We may not be able to write a book about them, but I, I do think they're useful to talk about. So uh, where should we start, Dave? I think we should start with the idea that, or the lesson is just not to give up on the old haunts that haven't been good in a while. And for us on this trip, uh, it was the Madison and the Bear Trap. And yeah. we haven't had a good year. Would, would you say 10 years? Has it been 10 years since we've had you know, like a really good day on the Madison? Yeah, that sure might be. I mean, at least it's been seven. Probably it has been 10 because the oh years gosh. seem to go by quicker. But so the first right. time we went, we often would go in the spring, and that was one big difference. Yeah. So we'd go roughly around the first week of, of April before uh, the rivers blew out. And so the, uh, the rainbows were spawning, and we would hit, there's a couple runs up there that we would hit, and we would have one of those oh, 15, man. 20 fish days, yeah. and they were big runners. Oh, they were. And, uh, and, but it had been years since we, and we, we've been back, I, even in 2020, remember I caught that big Brown in mm -hmm. 2020 on the Madison, but it was one fish, right. yep. one cast, one fish. Yeah. And for the last, the rest of the three hours, we were just frozen. Right. So, yeah. um, so we were surprised. So we decided to, on, I think it was the first day we got there. Wasn't yeah, it? it was, we flew into Bozeman, got there, what, about noon and then grabbed our, our meal you know we always have to start with food don't yeah we? the fish we, can wait we ate at bar three barbecue in uh, belgrade right yeah then, it was very good then hit the fly shop and then hit the river yeah we, we just thought ah, we may not probably won't catch anything much today but hey at least we'll get out for a couple of hours and 
you know, get the rust out of our cast. <laughs> hey, was that the day that we pulled up and the guy in that red pickup was there and we chatted with him? Was that the first day? Oh, man. Or was that the second oh, I day? I think that was the second day. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was so windy. All right. But, well, the first yeah. day, yeah. So we thought we would see if there are any runners, right? It's fall and, and if there were any yeah. runners coming up. But we hit a BWO hatch. Yep. Fishing emergers and landed about eight apiece in about two hours, which I'll take that any day. Oh man, that's just great fishing. Oh, I know it was it was fantastic. I was I was really surprised, and and they were they were nice fish. They they were fighters, and uh, yeah, it was fun catching them. Uh, uh, yeah, just below the surface. Well, there's this rock in the river. It's kind of a a place where when we fish we kind of start at the rock and then work our way down like a steelhead run and i i saw these fins and snouts up there and i think i had on a nymph rig and i just wasn't catching anything and then i i put a a dry fly on and dropped an emerger bwo emerger and all of a sudden i started yep. getting hits i think you caught one on a nymph right after that right before I you did switched. but then i switched to the same kind of rig you did and yeah, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But what what would you say the moral of this story is? Well, then? don't let a few bad days or bad years yeah, in our systems on, yeah. on a stretch of just keeping you from returning. And yep. old haunts, I think they can return to the same glory. So much depends yeah. on weather, right? And mm-hmm. and this was the theme of our trip. Everywhere yeah. we fished were places where we hadn't done that well in the recent past. Yeah. And, and, and we had had plans to go elsewhere, but we we said, oh, let's just try it one more time. And yeah. it, what surprised us was a BWO hatch. We thought we were, might catch some browns on nymphs. Hey, you know what I caught? I caught a rainbow. I caught a couple browns. I even caught a cutthroat that day. Yeah, there's another place where we fish. We'll probably talk about it in just a couple minutes here. But remember, the other place we fished uh, the, the second and third day was a place that we were going to fish in route to uh, another stretch of river, another river, but we thought, well, let's just give it one more chance, kind of to, to prove that, yeah, this is still really lousy. Yeah, like it's been exactly. the last couple of years. And <laughs> it's like, whoa, although we, we just, that's where we stayed, you know, for two days. Two we days, were catching yeah. Catching so many in fact, fish. I, I think both days, within two hours, we had caught so many fish, we thought, huh. I'm kind of bored. Yeah, and then we I, I know. <laughs> went to go eat. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. it, again, don't let those old haunts. Uh, just keep at it. I, I think it's so much of it is timing. Yeah, it when really, you're out oh, there. it's so true. It really is. That's a that's a great insight. Hey, here's another lesson that we relearned, and it's fish a dropper off that dry fly. I mean, you've already alluded to that, Dave. And there's nothing innovative about that, but but we I think we had to relearn that trick again. Uh, like you say, those fish in the bear trap were feeding on uh, BWO emergers, and we we saw. I th- I thought I saw more fins and tails than noses, and that that's a tip off that, yeah, trout are feeding just under the surface. So, uh, yeah, kind of following your lead, I tied on a simple unweighted nymph. I, I don't even remember the pattern. What what did you use? Do you I remember? was using an actual BWO okay. merger. Yeah. I think it's it's something it's that like I a cripple. I think it was it's not even a yeah. cripple. That wouldn't be a merger, but it was it was definitely mm-hmm. an emerger. I think I even tied on something that I tied several years ago, just a little size 18. It had peacock curl and then uh, you know kind of some green flashaboo with wire around it. So yeah, very similar to about any other uh, garden variety 
you know, mayfly nymph that you might use. But that, man, that did the trick under the surface. And I don't know, maybe I caught one on the dry, but every, every other one, maybe all of them were on that emerger pattern. So, yeah. yeah, no matter what time of year where you're fishing, if, if you're fishing a dry fly, uh, put a dropper on it. And I can tell you now, Dave, you're going to have to remind me of this again because sometimes I just get lazy and it's like I just want to catch them on dries and I you know, like I don't want to spend the time to tie a tippet onto the back of my dry fly and then tie another fly. But, man, it it's so productive whether it's, uh, you know, you're fishing hoppers and you put a little beetle off of that or you've got a uh, an elk hair caddis. You're fishing during the caddis hatch and you... You know, you put on a caddis emerger. I mean, it, it really does pay off. Well, I use that most often when I'm nymphing in the driftless because the, the creeks are so small. You really can't put a strike indicator on if you're not uh, yeah. European Euro nymphing and you're trying to do a, a traditional nymph. You just can't because uh, it's just too big, too loud. You scare the fish. But put a nice uh, size 14, uh, you know, Adams or size 14 caddis on there and then drop a you know drop a, a zebra midge i've caught so many fish that way yeah that's for sure dave what else i think there's another lesson that we learned in in yellowstone national park we spent a couple days there last fall. well early morning is just a great time for runners you do have to get up really early i yeah. think we found that by about 9 nine thirty, that the bite was off at that point, and we were fishing nymphs. There was some risers, yeah. and uh, we fished a familiar river in Yellowstone. And to be honest, we weren't counting on no. much, but we had to try. And man, yeah, it was we, so we just kind of yeah. wanted to rule it out and say, "Well, this isn't good, so let's forget it." Once the sun came up, and then the wind would come up a little bit, it did really slow down. So really, by ten o'clock on both the days that we fished that run or uh, fish that river, I should say, it, the bite was over. And, and and all of a sudden, it was about once every 20 to 30 minutes we'd get yep. a strike. And we by that time, we'd caught enough fish, we just said, okay. Yeah, and, and the no irony moss. was that when we left, like at 10, there were other fly fishers coming in. Absolutely. <laughs> so what time did we get on the river? We were fishing right at daylight. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think it was around 7.30 because there's... In Yellowstone National Park, there is a yeah, there's a start to your day legal fishing time. Is it like a half hour before sunrise? Yeah. Anyway, we we had the table, so we knew. But I think it was like around seven thirty. Yeah. It was right when we so, could start fishing. Yeah, right? so we started then, and man, it was good for the next two hours, Gosh, and then it, was great. it just it just tailed In off. In fact, yeah. fish. Uh, Steve and I just started alternating in yeah. this one run. Mm -hmm. He'd fish, catch a fish, and I'd cast not catch a fish well i guess i got a fish too anyway we just it was just a great uh it was, it was just like fishing a steelhead run you know you made a good observation too that that you know we hope for cloudy day but both those days turned out to be sunny but we did well in the early morning and there was a reason for that well there was a big snow a week before and so again this was the third week of October the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, somewhere in there. And unless unless there's a big storm that gets those browns moving up out of the Yellowstone and mm -hmm. moving, the fishing just in that in that river just isn't yeah. very good. Mm -hmm. And and I tell you what, I think every fish we caught was a runner. Oh, they I had that you, coloration oh, yeah. you're, you're and they right. were big. And they, they were big yeah. fish, yep. 
So yeah, the the snow was basically gone, but but that snow a week before is what got the fish moving, and yeah. so yeah, maybe that's another lesson, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. No matter what the weather is, go after the runners a few days after a significant that's after significant moisture, whether it's a a big rainfall or a you know obviously that time of year having the snow, the cold. There's just something that gets those fish moving and stirring and starting to move from, you know, their home waters to yeah. to the up, you know, to start to spawn, move up river to spawn. That's true. And you know, when we're fishing that time of year, there there's some spawning going on, but the probably the the bulk of the spawning happens later. What they do is they just move up and they they sit in some of those bigger yeah. runs, bigger holes as as they're waiting, and then. You know, the, the next time you get a cloudy, overcast, rainy, or snowy day, they're they're moving again. Yeah. So yeah. we just hit it right. It was yeah, just one of did. those right place, right time. We did. All right, here's another lesson. You've probably heard the old uh, saying, "Haste makes waste." Well, when it comes to fly fishing, what I've learned is that haste makes knots. Now, you would think that after all of these years, I would learn to slow down and not rush my cast. After all, I, I, I just take it easy on the river, don't I, Dave? I don't move too fast. And, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You no, just uh, one cast and you're off to yeah, the next run, making me feel like I get seconds. Oh, man, yeah. I know it. That, that's, the, that's the point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but, you know, I... It's funny, after all these years, I think I still get to a good run, and we, we talked about it in the previous podcast. Man, I want to go right, maybe I'm like Norman McLean's friend, George. I want to get right to that run and cast, get the cast in there, and you'd think I'd learn to slow down and not rush my cast, but but I had a couple times when I ended up getting tangled simply because I was in a hurry, and and for me, that's especially when I have line in the water and I don't lift it off deliberately and carefully. Uh, I, I guess it's like hyperventilating, though maybe I should call it uh, hypercastellating. Is, is, is that a word? <laughs> it, <laughs> it is it, now. It is now, yeah. yes. <laughs> My issue always is when I fish is that I'm, I always consume it. And, and i just trying to learn to slow down. When you're in wind, you cannot... You know, I fought the wind and the wind won. The yeah. wind wind always wins. And so the more you're rushed when it's windy. And I remember that day on the Madison. Remember we'd it was so windy and we'd oh, yeah. we'd have to wait until the cast yep. it, mm -hmm. would, to the wind let would would stop and let yep. up for a little bit and then we'd make a cast and the wind mm -hmm. would whip up again and sometimes yeah. you wouldn't get the timing right. So yeah, there's tons of oh, knots. Man. Oh my gosh. I know. So what else, Dave? What are some other lessons that we learned or relearned? So for us, fly fishing is just not catching fish, although, yeah, we want to catch fish, and we did catch a lot of fish. But I just think, you know, just to really, and when you're out on the water, when you're out in the outdoors, is just to slow down to enjoy the setting. It's so easy to be focused on the fishing that you really miss the beauty and the, and also the bazaar, right? Yeah, we saw both. Yeah, yeah, the beauty and the bazaar. Like one, yeah. we went, we fished. Um, what was the what was it? The Boulder way up there? No, the Shields. What did yeah, we fish? Yeah, we went and tried the Shields River this year. In uh, it wasn't that great, but oh my no, gosh, the beauty I of mean, that we river. We hit it at the wrong time. It can really be good, but we yeah, we just didn't. We were we were there in a day that was yeah. That was the one day good. we 
you know, we in the morning. And the bright we, sun didn't help either. It was crystal clear. Yeah, but, it was yeah. crystal. But the crazies had just gotten oh, snow not too long earlier, uh, maybe a week earlier. Yeah. But it was so fabulous. It was beautiful. And then there were still uh, leaves on the cottonwoods yeah. that lined the banks. And oh my gosh, that creek was the shields was so beautiful. Oh, it was. And then, then that same day, it wasn't that good. So we. We drove over to Paradise Valley, south of Livingston. We went up where I used to hunt elk, and there, there's a little creek. It's uh, wow, it's nearly impossible to fish, but oh, the yeah, views yeah. are just stunning, aren't oh they? Oh my gosh, it was in the wilderness area, so we hiked in. Yeah, and we hiked down. The hard thing, we almost died trying to get out of there. Oh right? man, I mean, the, the hike yeah. back up it was so steep. Oh my, yeah, wasn't oh my. that something? Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. So that's the beauty, but uh, we did see at least one bizarre thing. Oh, yeah. So so we were in Yellowstone National Park, and we were hiking along this trail headed to uh, one of our favorite runs. And I look up, and I, I did a double take. There was a buffalo head stuck in the fork of a tree right off of the trail to the right. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, probably killed by wolves, there had been a buffalo kill. And yeah. someone, some hiker, had picked up the head and, and crammed it into the fork of the tree. It was the oddest thing. The yeah, skeletons of the of the buffalo, the head of a of a buffalo. Oh, is just I know. Odd. Oh, it, yeah, I know. It's big. And, and it was half. It was half a skeleton, and still half of it had fur on. Yeah. It. Mm -hmm. And it was. We should post it. Well, yeah, I was going to ask. Did we post it? We haven't. If we haven't posted it, yeah, we'll watch our two guys. Uh, Facebook and Instagram account. Dave I'm wondering if we there. did. I can't remember. Yeah. But it was the odd, and it was just so jarring. We oh, got some nice little uh, photos, you know, yeah. photo photo op. But um, so that was that was the bizarre. Yes. So here's another one that we've talked about this before, and it's a, it's an old hack. But man, is it ever important? It's one that we learned from Gary Borger, and that is play your fish from side to side to tire them out. Uh, you know, several years ago when, when he was talking about that, I remember that thinking, you know, I'm, I'm always working hard to pull my fish in, but, uh, boy, the best way to tire them out is to pull them from one side to the other side. And, uh, you know, Gary is a scientist. I mean, Ph.D. from University of Wisconsin-Madison and, you know, everything physics and biology he's an expert on, and he just knows the way that the muscle the muscles of those fish work and he said when you work them side by side that's when you really tire them out and uh, you know what it's better it's safer for the fish because you tire them out quicker you can get them in quicker and release yeah. them quicker and I think you pointed this out too that if you watch any fly fishing videos from professionals you'll you'll see them doing that yeah won't you? they do I was I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos especially this winter not being able to fish that much and 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 uh, Jensen's fly fishing videos, but you watch all of them, and yeah, they're and some Orvis uh, videos as well. But yeah, they do that. Uh, they're you know professionals, and it's just the way they do it, mm -hmm. and they tire that fish out, get it in quickly, and and I guess the survival rate is all about from the time you hook it to the time you release it. Yeah. Right? So less is more. Yep, very true. The last one, or one of the last ones, is that weather trumps everything. And, and we mentioned this earlier, but a snowstorm had dumped a foot of snow in Montana, or at least near where we had fished, a week or so earlier. So that triggered these browns to start moving upstream. And 
so much of fishing, gosh, and there was no runoff. By the time we got there, the, it, the rivers were still clear or became clear. And But it's just fly fishing. I was just reminded again, it's so much about timing, right? Yeah, it really you, is. You have a good overcast day, and all of a sudden that triggers a hatch. You come at the time that we did. It was a perfect week to be there. Next year, we could do the exact same week and have yeah. a completely rotten year, which is right. exactly what we had had the year before. Oh, I know. And the irony was that we did have a lot of sunshine, and that's usually not the, it's not the best, but yeah, that, that's why we got up earlier and got out on the water. And then uh, later in the day, I think even in the, even in the bear trap where the sun goes down below those canyon walls a little quicker, um, you know, there, there was some activity, bluing olives, but... Yeah, weather's everything, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it really does uh, make a difference. So, yeah, no matter what you have with all the tactics and all the gear and with all the planning, uh, weather's the biggest predictor whether or not you're going to catch fish. Yeah, it really so. is. Well, there is a final oh, one, Oh, there is a final there's one. There is a final one, and that's eat well. And eat well some more. <laughs> <laughs> I think I spent more money on eating well this this trip than I ever have. Man, and than I we did on fly gear, yeah. After two years of yes, COVID. I know. So we had dinner two nights, not just one <laughs> night, at Chico Hot Springs at the oh, dining lodge. Gosh. And I mean, this is this is kind of gourmet food. I mean, it is. You know, yeah, uh, I mean, I eat a lot in the Chicago, well, I used to before COVID downtown. And, and there are great restaurants, no doubt. Yeah. But Chico Hot Springs, oh, that chef is amazing. The food is amazing. Here you are in the middle of Paradise Valley, the middle of nowhere, Montana, and you have this little Chico Hot Springs, and the food is just tremendous. It is, and it's kind of a high-end uh, resort now, isn't it? Yeah, With the, it really the hot is. Springs. Yeah. Actually, you can go there and do it cheaply. You can go and swim, and, and they do have a, a grill, but... Uh, yeah, the, the dining experience at Chico Hot Springs is well worth it. You're we, probably, it's probably 50 bucks a pop, right? Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> or a little bit more. Should I have not said that? <laughs> yeah, it might, be, it might be a little cheaper, Dave. Or maybe not. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, but then on the other nights, we went a little bit cheaper. Just a place sure we did. 20 bucks a plate. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Tez Montana Grill, we already talked about that. But uh, yeah. We also ate at the Ribbon Chop House in Bozeman. Yeah. There's one in Livingston, but um, this is, uh, I don't know if they're franchising it or not. That I think they are. Food. I think there's one in Cody, Wyoming, oh, really? but it's a, it's a West. Uh, it seems like it's an Intermountain West kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. food is great. And if you're kind of a meat lover, uh, that's, that's, that's where you go. Yeah. Well, what we figured out over the years then is that every fly fishing trip provides lessons to learn or relearn. So, so pay attention. You know, seriously, every day you're on the water, reflect on, on uh, what you learned, what did you relearn. Um, you might have a better experience the next time you hit the river if you ponder what happened the last time you were there. All right, it's time now for great hacks from our book, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. Dave, just curious, where are we currently on the New York Times bestseller list? <laughs> we are probably, I think, on Amazon, maybe one millionth and you know, in ten. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're moving, moving up, up. <laughs> steadily climbing. Uh, 
Well, hey, today's hack from our book is how to interpret the feeding behavior of trout by noticing what's going on in the water. We talked a little bit about that. So here are four general rules that we shared in our book. The first is that noses mean duns. And the dun stage is the first of two adult stages of mayflies. And so if you, if you see noses poking through the surface, the trout are feeding on mayflies in their uh, dun stage. Uh, parachute atoms may work fine. In some cases, though, uh, if, if, especially if you're in slow or clear water, you may need to be a little more precise and go with a comparadun or... Uh, or a sparkle done pattern. That's kind of one of our favorites. Yeah. And sometimes a cripple pattern works too. So the second uh, feeding pattern is fins means nymphs. And in this episode, we were talking earlier about our time on the Madison, and and uh, there were definitely lots of fins uh, in that place where I first started to. I was nymph fishing, and then I switched to a, a dry fly with a dropper on the emerger with an emerger, and it was the emerger that they hit. And so. I think earlier I'd said there were fins and noses, but it was mostly fins, and sure enough, they were hitting hitting the fly just beneath the surface. Yeah, that's such a great insight because often, you know, when you see uh, whatever you see, you see trout breaking the surface, whether it's noses or or fins, you you think, oh, you know, they're feeding on something on the surface, but they may be feeding on something right below the surface. All right, so noses mean duns, fins mean nymphs, uh, third, dimples mean midges or spinners. If you see a small dimple in the water, chances are the trout are feeding on midges or on spent mayfly spinners. You know, they've already uh, made it above the water and they've uh, they, they just kind of spun down to the surface. They're, they're spent and hence the name spent wing. Uh, you may or may not see the trout's nose. Sometimes you'll even see the trout gently roll through the surface, kind of with the grace of a dolphin. You know, they don't have to uh, attack something that's getting away. Uh, you know, th these things are spent. They're on the surface. So, I don't know, aside from specific midge patterns, which you can always go to, I mean, there's nothing like a size 20 parachute atoms. I mean, that Man, if that was, if I could only have one dry fly, it would probably be a size 18 parachute atoms. There's a lot you can catch with that. So the fourth uh, feeding pattern to observe is that splashes means caddis. So not always, but if you see rising trout making splashes, likely they may be feeding on caddis flies, right? So the reason for the splash is that these flies are, are fluttering on the surface and the, and, the, and, the, and the trout really go into attack mode. And obviously these are the elk hair caddis patterns, or, you know, that's probably the most popular caddis pattern. And it's the one that you can see, which is why I like it. And, um, but as always, you know, talk to the, your experts at the local fly shop and see, what, see what's hitting. But these main four feeding patterns really can be helpful as you decide what to sling what to toss. I was just watching an Orvis video this morning and it was Tom, I think it was Tom Rosenbaum, is that his name? Yeah. The Orvis guy, so. so good. And he was fishing for cutthroat and you could see the fish rising and he was talking about how hard it is sometimes to catch fish during the hatch. And yep. so he couldn't figure it out. So what he finally did was he was using a size four uh, tippet and he went to a, a 5X, not Four, size four it was a 4x tippet he went to 5x lengthened his tippet 
and switched to his fly and then suddenly started catching fish. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it was interesting because the, the fish were feeding off the surface, but it was mostly noses that were coming up. So all that to say is these four feeding patterns are really helpful. Obviously they're not always true, but it's really a helpful kind of a, a taxonomy of feeding patterns to help you think through what to toss uh, when you're fishing. And there's a lot more insights where that came from the Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. All right, that will do it for today. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>